Welcome to Wellversed, where we bring biblical principles of governance to governmental leaders and you. This is the Wellversed podcast. Well, I'm going to be introducing you, Mark Fincham. What are we going to talk about, folks? Before we do, let me just say this. <clears throat> this is the World Prayer Network. We are concerned with truth. You heard me say at the outset, with holiness, righteousness, biblical justice, and truth. One of those things is truth. We pursue truth. If we want to ask questions, we ask questions. We're protected biblically, and we're protected by the U.S. Constitution. The First Amendment allows us the freedom of speech. This may come as a shock to some people. They don't believe in freedom of speech anymore. You're not allowed to say marriage is a man and a woman anymore. You're not allowed to say a man who's born as a man is a man, period. That's considered very bad. We believe in free speech, and we're going to exercise it here today. We're going to continue to say those things that are biblically true, according to Scripture, according to God's ways. And in our pursuit of truth, we ask thorny questions that some have gotten very afraid to ask. And that is, was there integrity in the last election? Or what is it happy, happening now to make sure we have integrity in the next election? Was the election rigged? Was it stolen? I have a right as an American, as a human being, as a thinker, to ask that question. And those of you who try to bully and intimidate and keep us from asking that questions, you're going to fail because truth eventually rises to the top. Righteousness comes to the top. We have a right to ask the question. We will ask the question. We do ask the question. And uh, those who object always go into switching to name calling. You uh, have wild conspiracy theories. That was used by an acquaintance of mine who writes articles against me. Wild conspiracy theories and on and on it goes. We're not interested in wild conspiracy theories, so it does shock me how the extent of what so-called wild conspiracy theories yesterday actually prove or proven true today. We've seen that over and over. So that being the case, we're going to go back and we're going to visit with a friend, Mark Bishop, he's from Arizona. Mark, I welcome you to the broadcast today. I'm going to ask you to take the first couple minutes and just tell your life story, who you are, and the offices you've run for. And just talk about Mark Fincham as a person first. Then we're going to jump in, and, and I got those thorny questions that nobody seems to want to talk about today. Was the question was the election rigged? It, is it for real? What evidence do we have? And that's what we'd like to see is the evidence and, and the way it's been squashed down. Only those who object to this only make themselves look, look worse, like they got something to hide. Got to bring it out in the open. Let's that's go right. to court. Put the evidence out there. Let's see where truth leads us. I'm comfortable wherever truth takes us on this. Now, the suppressors of this story, they don't like that. They get terribly nervous. They just can't stand the thoughts of us raising a question, was there dishonesty in the last election? Well, we're going to probe that question today because <laughs> Scripture commands us to pursue truth, and the U.S. Constitution protects our right to free speech. So honoring both of those things, I'm going to go to my friend Mark Fincham. Mark, uh, give me a little bit of background just on you and your life and who you are. I'd be happy to. Thank you for having me on your program. But I'm going to start with uh, a, a saying that has become one of my favorites. There are three things that are not long hidden. The sun, the moon, and the truth. So uh, for 21 years, I was a DPS officer in West Michigan, little, not so little town of Kalamazoo, Michigan. I uh, was a rancher, raised lots of different types of critters out uh, 40 minutes outside of town. It was my uh, relief valve, if you will, from the pressures of being a police officer and um, level three paramedic. Retired from that in 1999, moved to Tucson, Arizona, 
Um, worked for a couple of different organizations for American Airlines for a period of time. Um, rejoined the fire service as a uh, type two hotshot for a couple of years, fighting forest fires. And uh, then I went to work for Intuit. Started as a, uh, a phone agent and left the company seven years later as the senior manager in charge of the counter piracy, um, the fraud countermeasures program and product registration for uh, a product that some people might recognize called QuickBooks. Um, left there because I was really getting tired of flying back and forth between the United States and India. And every time I left the country, I got sick. So it was time to go to work for myself. Um, which I did, was a realtor for a number of years. Then I fooled around and got elected uh, to the Arizona House of Representatives in 2014. Served for four terms. Uh, in Arizona, we have term limits. Um, served for four terms with distinction. And uh, then something happened near the end of, uh, well, in 2020, near the end of the year, November 30th, 2020, um, had a an overwhelming number of constituents reached out and said something is terribly, terribly wrong with the election. That was the 2020 election uh, involving President Trump. Well, we held a public hearing, much to the chagrin of House leadership and Senate leadership and the governor's office and the political party uh, construct. Um, we're talking about all the way to the RNC. They did not want us to examine the election. In fact, they went full force against us. New York Times, Washington Post, all of the propaganda rags that are out there and called us election deniers. Well, we, okay, we never denied there was an election. We're actually more accurate to be called election skeptics because we saw enough evidence, just uh, prima facie evidence, that there was a problem with the system. Now, representatives and senators at the state level are elected to do one job, pass a budget, but they also are elected to ask questions and seek truth, seek answers. And that's what I was doing. My constituents, um, constituents all over the state uh, were asking me and my colleagues to sit down, ask some hard questions and see what we could do to, uh, to find evidence of wrongdoing, which we did, by the way. Um, prepared an evidence packet that was hand delivered to uh, Congressman Paul Gosar and a copy was also delivered to Representative Andy Biggs, uh, Congressman Biggs. Um, by the way, two American heroes, uh, pray for those gentlemen all the time, unceasingly. So that brings us to April of 2021, where I filed to become a candidate for Secretary of State here in Arizona. And to this day, uh, I, I won the primary, won, took all 15 counties and won Maricopa County by three points. Yet, and that was the primary, yet uh, when we got to the general election, somehow we lost by a point. Huh. I remain the Republican nominee for Secretary of State for 2022. We are still in litigation. Um, and that, I think, brings us uh, forward to the point where you would ask the question, is there evidence? And if so, how do we see the evidence? Um, so the case that is probably most salient would be Lake v. Hobbs, that's Carrie Lake versus Katie Hobbs, in which the, the judge who handled the case, Peter Thompson, um, quite frankly, dismissed many of the claims that were brought forward. I, I believe there were 10 separate claims, dismissed all of them and 
Of course, Kerry went to the appellate court. The appellate court um, sided with the judge, went to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court said, not so fast here. We have uh, a mail-in system, which quite frankly is an abomination for elections, but 80% of people who vote, vote by mail in the state of Arizona. And then of course they wonder, well, what happened with the election? Well, a couple things happened. Number one, those people who uh, vote by mail have to sign an affidavit uh, and return envelope and their signature must be matched against the signature of record on the voter registration card. Well, in the Lake v. Hobbs trial, um, which by the way was remanded back from the Supreme Court uh, to the trial court, the judge had to hear evidence that there either was or was not a quote, comparison of signatures between the, the signature of record and the signature that was on the envelope. Well, there were two days of testimony and evidence, and I think the high point of that testimony was Eric Speckman, um, who had, he did a genius thing. He had a, a book that was probably two or three inches thick on the, on the stand with him. And he said, look, in trying to describe compare signature comparison, and he just thumbed through the book rapidly. And he said, thumbing through a book is not reading a book. In that instant, with that metaphor, he described what happened with, uh, I believe Kurt Olson said, woodpecker rapid fire approval of signatures in, in, in a second or less. Well, that's just not, that's not possible. So the judge decided, and this is where, as, as a legislator, I take umbrage with this. The judge basically said, well, if we're to buy that argument, then the court would have to establish standards and timeframes in order to conduct a comparison. Wrong judge, you had one job to determine whether there was a comparison done. Now, when it comes time to specifications, time limits and all that, that actually is the responsibility of the legislature, not the courts because it, it under Article 1, Section 4, Clause 1 of the U.S. Constitution. It is the legislature that shall to choose the time, place, and manner for electing senators and representatives. Now, that's federal offices, but this happened to be a federal office election. So we now have, I think, a defect in the, in the, the ruling by the judge. It has already been filed for appeal at the Arizona Supreme Court. Um, we shall see whether or not the Arizona Supreme Court has the spinal fortitude to say, no judge, you had one simple task, and that was to determine whether a comparison was done. Now they could overturn that and essentially explain, look, a meaningful comparison cannot happen in a second or less. And for that, we are going to order a new election. Now that would be, that would be a move of God. <laughs> I would love to see his, his hand on this, but I don't expect to see that. And quite frankly, this will probably go to the U.S. Supreme Court if the Arizona Supreme Court doesn't order a new election. That gets a little prickly because the U.S. Supreme Court does not like to interfere with state election issues, although they have on a number of occasions. But this is one where there is so much evidence 
hundreds of thousands, I believe it was 340,000 signatures, either could not be matched or were fictitious or were missing, but those ballots should not have been counted. Now keep in mind, Carrie Lake lost by 17,000 votes. I allegedly lost by 120,000 votes. 340 some thousand, that's almost a threefold difference between what I allegedly lost by and the number of ballots that should not have been mailed in. But wait, there's more. Then you have election day where we found out that Maricopa County actually lied to the court, broke the law on a number of occasions after they had certified machines, which by the way, they did not do logic and accuracy testing on. They went in behind closed doors in the dark of night and went through that testing without having party officials present, without having given the required notices under law. And they found that over half of the machines failed, yet they used them on election day anyhow. So now we have a situation, and I'm sure that everybody in the country in the United States has read about this. We have a situation where we can see a heat map of where re Republican registered voters are likely to vote. You would choose to vote in some place fairly close to home. Well, that very same, if, if you take the, the, the machine failures and overlay that map with the map of registered Republican voters, lo and behold, they're the same places. So we add- Repeat that, one, repeat that last couple sentences so make sure we're tracking with you. Sure. So, yeah, so the heat map shows um, two things. You have two maps. One is overlaid on top of another. The first map is where Republican voters are registered to vote and where they are likely to vote at a vote center. The second is the machine failures. You, little, you overlay the machine failure map on top of the registered Republican map. Huh. They, uh, it's like looking at the same map. Okay. Now that is election day voting. And we have to understand that the vast majority of people who vote in advance are Democrats. We, we just know this by polling. We also, and by the, the return to ballots, we know whether or not somebody is a Republican, independent, green, libertarian, whatever, when their ballot comes back in. Now at the same time, people who vote on election day, about 85% of them are Republicans. And we had tens of thousands of voters either denied the opportunity to vote because the machines were down or who just gave up after waiting in line for three or four hours to vote and went home. That was all a planned event. Nobody can convince me or the vast majority of people that live in Arizona that that was an, an accident, that that was just, just happenstance. No, it didn't happen. So there are mountains of evidence out there and you know this would be a good time for me it, they're all related to process election process so about a year and a half ago i started a 501c3 by the name of election fairness institute and that's the exact thing that we are looking at now as a 501c3 we can't look at um we're supposed to stay out of politics so we can't look at, at people parties or propositions however we can examine process I'm a Six Sigma process engineer. 
that's Six Sigma basically is the discipline of studying processes to find defects and fix the defects so that you have a better customer experience, you have a better process. So we started the Election Fairness Institute about, like I say, about a year and a half ago. And the things that we're looking for is, was there strict compliance? Um, did ballots have a chain of custody? We, we have thousands, tens of thousands of ballots that had no chain of custody. In fact, there's a discrepancy between Maricopa County Elections Office and Runbeck Election Services as to how many ballots were actually returned. And then, of course, we have to take a look at what about due process? Under the 14th Amendment of the United States Constitution, every single voter has a right to equal protection under the law. Now, when they are deprived in one way or another from their vote being counted, that is a problem for due process. And then finally, one of the things that we are engaged in right now that I would appreciate a lot of prayer over, let's follow the money. We know that there is a significant amount of money laundering that goes on, in fact, um, here's one example. The federal government sends a lot of money to the Ukraine, Ukrainian government. Ukrainian government gives it to who? FTX. That was the failed cryptocurrency. FTX, in turn, reshores the money and sends it to who? The DNC, the Democrat National Committee. The DNC then deploys that money to states like Arizona, where $14 million came against me and Kerry Lake that was essentially laundered money. We've got to get a handle on these items, strict compliance, chain of custody, due process, and the whole money laundering thing. If we don't, 2024 will be another sham election. Now, President Trump, uh, and, and I agree with him, uh, says that the election that we just went through in 2022 was rigged. Well, when you have 340,000 votes, just that's just one evidence bucket, by the way. 340,000 ballots that should not have been counted because they had a defective mail-in uh, signature line, that's, that should give us all pause for concern. Then you take a look at the tabulation equipment that is manufactured with parts from um, communist China. I mean, okay, so this was listed as critical infrastructure by the Obama administration. Jay Johnson called election processing equipment critical infrastructure. Well, all right, that means Department of Defense standards for national security, domestic security apply. Yet the machines that we have here in Arizona, in fact, all across the United States, do not meet those standards because they have chips in them. It, uh, uh, modems in them, which, by the way, Dominion claimed that they didn't have a modem, only we found them. The problem that we have is those machines cannot be secured. And if they can communicate out, then they can also communicate in. And their refusal, the manufacturer's refusal to allow inspection of the code that actually runs these machines is a big tell. The people have a right to know what is in that code. Now, there's still a case with Carrie Lake and myself that's in front of the Ninth Circuit um, where we challenged the use of those machines in U.S. District Court, Arizona. That case was dismissed and we were sanctioned because we brought an implausible argument. Well, on the very day that sanctions were announced, Maricopa County announced that they had a problem with the machines. <laughs> oh, the irony. 
we were arguing that there's a problem with the machines and that they denied there was. So all of these things involved, um, if they're, they're, they're the stuff that I write on, in fact, I have a Substack if people want to follow it, it's markfincham.substack.com. That's Mark Fincham, M-A-R-K-F-I-N-C-H-E-M, like Mark, dot, substack.com. If you want to know what's going on in how we're going to, to, to push back against the evil that has descended upon our election system, um, you can either follow the Substack or visit our, um, our website. In fact, the easy way to get to the Election Fairness Institute is goefi.org. That's go, as in visit, goefi.org. Um, we're going to be calling out elections officials. In fact, we have been since um, before the election, but we continue to do so. And we've got a couple of active investigations where we're pulling documentation. We're following up on leads. Um, we are privately funded. And thanks to the generosity of a couple of major donors, um, we, we can actually pay our researchers. And at some point, we'll be able to pay an attorney. Um, but we're also looking at other legal remedies, such as grand juries and county prosecutors. For those who believe that they're above the law, we want everybody held accountable to just follow the law. Let me let me ask you, um, is Maricopa County, because it's in the news so much, is it in the news because it's simply one of the more visible counties in the state, if not the most visible, or is the is the corruption or problems or difficulties there higher, or is that typical <clears throat> across the entire state, or for that matter, to the 3,000 counties of America? Yeah, that's an excellent question. So Maricopa County represents 63% of the voting public in the state of Arizona. Think about that for a minute. We have 15 counties. So the other 14 counties combined only make up 36.5%. So at best, a third. There's no way that they that the rural counties and I represented a rural county for my entire time in the legislature. There's no way that the rural county caucus can come up and frankly we call it the great state of Maricopa because it's so large. Now I'm one of those who's in favor of breaking that county up into four counties. Uh, distribution of power. In fact. That's what our framers, the founding fathers of our nation, were all about. Not the, not the collection of power, but the distribution of power, the bringing it back down to a manageable level. So you now have five individuals in charge of the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors. Um, four of them are allegedly Republicans. One of them is a, a clear Democrat. And these are individuals who knew knew that 2020 was a steaming garbage heap of an election. Stephen Richer, the supposedly Republican uh, county recorder, and one of the supervisors, Bill Gates, formed a political action committee to oppose America First Trump-endorsed candidates. So we now have individuals who are supposed to be neutral in an election 
mean, there's some people running the election for the state of Arizona, Maricopa, and they do nothing but get in the way, obfuscate, promote alternatives. They're perfectly happy with the outcome. And now the people of Arizona groan because of what is the evil that has descended upon us. I mean, you look at Katie Hobbs. Um, she didn't even campaign. So folks are pretty sure that she did the Joe Biden, I've got this already, so why would I bother? You've also got a Sinaloa cartel defense attorney, Adrian Fontes, who is now Secretary of State. Now, think about the, the, the way Arizona's government is constructed, the state government. If Katie Hobbs is somehow brought into the Biden administration, that means Adrian Fontes and presumably the Sinaloa cartel immediately take over the executive branch of the state of Arizona. You're saying that they're, okay, we're not, most of us are not up to speed on Arizona politics. You're saying that the current governor could be moved into the Biden administration in some role, create some vacancy, and the vacancy would be filled by the Secretary of State? As it currently stands, yes. Now, there, a new law was passed in this last election where we would have a lieutenant governor, but for all intents and purposes, under the current law that we have, uh, the Secretary of State is the de facto lieutenant governor. And, and is there some discussion? I'm out of the loop on this. Is there some discussion of Katie Hobbs moving out of the governorship into the Biden administration? Who knows? I mean, the level of incompetence that we're seeing at the federal government, she'd fit right in. But, but, there, but there's not, I, I guess my question is, there's not an open discussion of that at this present time. Not to my knowledge, but those are the kinds of things you don't hear about until you hit the, until you get the press release. Yeah, oh, okay, okay, I just was one. Um, let, let's go back to uh, 340,000 ballots, I think you said. Mm-hmm. Are, are, is all that evidence still available? for um, for an actual trial in court or has that evidence been destroyed is it is it is it currently still in existence another good question so the uh, federal records retention laws require that those documents be retained for 24 months um, so they're still there Maricopa County provided 100% of the ballot envelope return images, along with access to 100% of the voter registration cards for signature match. Now, um, an outfit called We the People Arizona, uh, I forget the full name, um, We the People Arizona, there's another word that goes with it. Anyhow, that organization went through and checked 100% of the envelopes. Now, Maricopa County supplied not just a sample. They supplied 100% of the return envelopes. So that is a hard number. That's not a statistical sample. That's a hard number. Where there was either a mismatch, a no match, or a serious problem with the signature where the ballot should not have been counted. Wait, wait, wait. When you said they returned, they returned to 100%. Help us understand what the term returned means here. Okay. And and, and, uh, I'm the impression you're saying there was something invalid about that ballot. Yeah, so um, when you vote by mail in Arizona, you receive the mail, you get your ballot, you fill your ballot out, and then you put it in a return envelope. 
That return envelope has an affidavit on the outside of it where you, you put your signature to it, you seal it, and then you put it in a new mailing envelope. You send it back. Before the ballot is before the, the ballot envelope with the signature is opened, the ballot envelope signature is supposed to be compared with the signature of record on the voter registration. If in that comparison of the returned ballot in its return envelope, if that signature does not match the signature of record, that ballot cannot be counted. Now, there is an opportunity, if you're able to identify who the voter is, you can contact, it's called curing, contact them and ask them, hey, is this your signature? And they'll say, uh, no, I didn't vote by mail. Or, yeah, that's my signature, it changed. Now, in many of these cases, it wasn't even the right name. It was somebody else's name. Or it was a signature that did not even compare with the voter's signature of record and those are the cases where if it, if it didn't compare then you should the the um, folks that were doing the signature comparison should have reached out for the curing process now a very small number of those were actually cured the rest of them were either a serious mismatch or there was no signature yet they were counted anyhow what was the okay go, go back to the phrase 100 returned explain that one then so okay. Are you saying that those that were mailed out? No. So 100% of the ballots with signatures, the ballot envelopes, mm -hmm. that were returned to Maricopa County by voters, mm -hmm. we the People AZ was able to look at 100% of that data file, wow. meaning all of the ballots that had been returned, wow. not the ballot, the ballot envelopes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Had been returned. They were able to see. <clears throat> and what was the conclusion after seeing those? Three hundred forty thousand of them didn't didn't pass the the statutory oh, requirement. Oh, okay. Okay. So so it shouldn't a, have been counted. An independent group did get to examine them right. at that point. Okay. And that is actually in evidence in the Carrie Lake case. Shelby Bush, who is the leader of that organization, testified in court about what they found when they actually did the comparison. That's what the travesty of this is. The judge basically said, well, that's all well and good, but we're not here to talk about the quality of the comparison. Suddenly quality enters into this. Well, okay, but uh, your honor, if there is to be a comparison and you've compared them now after the fact and found that comparison to be inaccurate, what does it matter if the comparison was done in a second or less? Well, it begs the question, are you able to do a comparison in one second or less between two signatures? Now, Eric Specklin, who's a professional handwriting expert, says it takes him six seconds to do a comparison like this on a mass scale. So now we have individuals who have gone to a class for a week, volunteers, to learn how to spot different things about a signature so that they can rapidly move through signature verification. Let's say, and, and they were the ones who were rapid fire clicking through tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of signatures that didn't match. Well, how can you do that if you're not even looking at them? That was the essential question.
how widespread is this type of thing, or, or maybe it's a question you can't answer, as we go state by state, because Arizona is not the only state where there's contested results from both 2020 and, and of course, 2022. Yeah, um, I have anecdotal stories from some of my colleagues in other states, and these are Secretary of State uh, candidates, uh, legislators. Um, they say that this is, is a um, pervasive problem. Now, you've got organizations, you know, you look at Tennessee, for example. Tennessee is a different different case. They still have an absentee ballot system where every time there's an election, you have to request a ballot, and you have to give a reason, and then you have to sign for it. Then when you vote the ballot, you sign on the envelope, you return it, and those two signatures have to match. Okay, well, that's a pretty secure system. But here in Arizona, and like many other states, we mail ballots to everybody. I mean, everybody, whether they ask for one or not, because they're on an early voter list request. Okay. Now, if you go back to the um, Carter Baker report, I believe it was uh, in 2005, they made the, the statement in that report, the fastest way to corrupt an election, mail-in ballots. Yet we have legislatures all over the country that adopted mail-in voting unrestricted mail-in voting. So when when folks want to know why things are, are degrading into an evil cauldron, well, <laughs> there's one of your culprits. You've got people that are filling out ballots that are not legitimate voters. You've got people that are submitting ballots that were uh, cast by fictitious people. You've got signatures that are being counted that shouldn't have been. You've got individuals who were denied access to the polls because of government chicanery. Now, I'm sure that the uh, the propaganda artists in the in the national media um, are going to vilify me for making such a statement. But here's the question: It's now incumbent upon the government to prove that the election was legitimate. It's no longer incumbent upon the people to prove that it wasn't. It's interesting that uh, last election, 2020, uh, numbers of friends who reported, uh, I, I think I think one person who told me that six ballots came to their home. Yep. Six ballots. Um, we had a number of those stories. In fact, I had one gentleman who took pictures of all the ballots that came to his home. And on several of them, there was a variation of his name. He'd always gone by the first name of Michael, and I, I won't use the last name. Michael D. last name, Hispanic last name. All of a sudden, he's getting envelope or uh, ballots that say Miguel last name, Miguel D. last name. Same with his wife. Used the Hispanic version of the name. They had five ballots come to their house. So, your point. And Chad Conley in Virginia tells me when they follow proactively, very aggressively across the state with a lot of election election judges, election workers, and what they would find is, um, I don't remember the number, 17 or 19, or maybe it was 29 uh, people living in the same residence. They'd go check the residence. It was an empty lot. They encountered that over and over. And right. when they went to the election commissioners, whatever the proper title is, county by county, they found out that, that so many were complete violation of the law. Some perhaps didn't even know it. Some clearly knew it. Some actually resigned on the spot. 
some actually were indicted, as I understand it. Uh, the, the, the sloppiness, the complete mismanagement of our elections has eroded us as Americans tragically in confidence, uh, confidence in our election. I guess the question, uh, there's people listening to this who are going to be a bit discouraged about uh, 2024. Do you have any hope for yeah. us? Is there any sunshine rays cast upon the 2024 election? So hope springs eternal from this guy, all right? Um, we've caught them. Uh, we need to understand that it took decades to get people into position to be able to corrupt our elections. It's all well and good that we find all of this evidence, but if you, if you have a state bar, for example, here in Arizona, the state bar is so leftist that they are um, filing bar complaints against attorneys that represented me Harry Lake, Donald Trump, they're filing bar complaints because we had the temerity to question, to seek answers, to be skeptics of an election that clearly did not match polling. It did not match the, the outpouring of support for these candidates. All right, so you got that. You've got prosecutors who are not going to take these cases. You've got sheriffs, quite frankly, who are gutless. And then you've got other elected officials. Now, you use the word incompetence. I'm not sure, I'm not so sure that that's what it is. Um, there's a significant amount of bribery that's going on. Some of these things don't happen. This, this isn't just happenstance. This is an organized, concerted effort to undermine the will of the people. Now, to answer your question, give me hope. Voting is not a suggestion by God. Look at Exodus 18, 20, 21, 22. Jethro's talking to Moses saying, look, you need to get a handle on this thing, man. This nation is too big to be governed by just one person. And in that scripture, it says, choose from among you godly men. Here's the kicker, disinterested in personal gain to lead the thousands, the hundreds, the fifties, and the tens. Now that is a Republican form of government, number one. Number two, it's a command, choose. Our job is as voters, our job is constituents, and I'm not in office right now. I'm just, I'm another constituent. My job is to see to it that I have my happy butt at the polls to vote on election day. Now, I voted, I think, in 28 different elections by mail because I, I thought that the system was trustworthy. Well, once I got on the inside and realized, oh, my God, there is no chain of custody here. Once you fill out oh, your John, chain of custody, explain chain of custody, that term, that phrase. Yeah. So um, let's do it this way. You have two links. All right. You have the government that counts the ballots and you have the people that cast the ballot. OK. Now, what happens when you mail, you fill out your ballot and you put it in the mailbox? In that moment, you've just added another link, U.S. Postal Service. U.S. Postal Service then takes it to a company called Runback Election Services to, for um, signature analysis and counting. You've added another link. You now have four links that, quite frankly, you only needed two. If you went to the polls, 
and you voted, you immediately, you've got the chain of custody where you go from voter to government in an instant. Now, what the government does once they're in possession of ballots, that's another story. But when you had two different links, U.S. Postal Service, which, by the way, endorsed Joe Biden, why would you trust them with your ballot when they can plainly know that you're a Republican? But I digress. The U.S. Postal Service then takes it to a contractor that, while they may be under contract with Maricopa County, they're not Maricopa County. Had those ballots been mailed directly to the Maricopa County Elections Office, then you would have only had three links in that chain of custody. Follow me? Yes. Okay. I do. Well, you've laid out some uh, sobering stuff. We have, uh, we find ourselves as a World Parent Network concerned with one thing, truth. We long for truth. We desire for truth. We want honesty. We want scales to be unmanipulated. And uh, that is the concern as we go into all into 2024. I think we're going to wrap up here and go into prayer. But is there anything more, Mark, you want to share before we turn to the prayer team to pray for integrity and honesty in our nation? A couple of things. Number one, um, pray for wisdom and discernment um, of elected officials and for courage. Um, we've got to seek uh, election security and transparency. Because those two things combined beget election integrity. Now, if people want to um, help uh, me, um, I, I'm basically I'm unemployable now in the state of Arizona because I took such a vociferous stand, such a firm stand on election integrity. I became controversial, which I guess I'm still trying to understand that one, but that's what I'm being told. So You're controversial because you've raised these questions? I'm controversial because I'm demanding the truth. I'm demanding answers to the questions that remain unanswered. So we have that. Um, if people want to help me, they can subscribe to the Substack, markfincham.substack.com. Let's go through the Mark Fincham, F-I-N-C-H-E-M dot substack.com. Um, there's both a, a free version and there's a paid version. So, and it's like five bucks a month if you want the paid version. Um, we're going to start podcasting, uh, hopefully today, and talking about some of the solutions that we have put forward. Um, one of those is um, Senate Concurrent Resolution 1037, which is an interesting, uh, interesting twist on enforcing the law, the supreme law of the land, basically known as the U.S. Constitution. But if people go out there, they can see that article. Uh, it's already been posted, and we're going to be doing a podcast probably later today that I'll try and get posted by this time tomorrow. Um, so they can go to the Election Fairness Institute, which is goefi.org, and follow up with this information. Is that correct? Yes, sir. In fact, there's the news page is always carrying um, some of the most important news on election integrity uh, because this country. We're in a crisis, and it's going to take the people to take back control of elections. And the biggest thing we can do for that right now, and this is, I would ask for a prayer covering over my good friend Mark Cook down in Texas, um, the hand count tour, I forget the name of it, but paper ballots, hand counting, and counting were cast. Those three things 
if the people demand that that happens in 2024, by the way, we can do that county by county. That isn't something- so paper, paper ballots, hand counting, and what's the last one? Count where cast. In other words, count the, count the votes before those ballots are ever moved and count them publicly. That okay, means you I'm going to repeat that because I've, I, I've heard, of course, a lot of emphasis upon the return to paper ballots, which I certainly would support, given the fact that there are capacities to manipulate anything electronically. So paper ballots, number one, I recognize I didn't I didn't take that movement seriously at first. I said, I don't think it's ever going to happen, but it, it is a movement that now has gained some momentum. Uh, paper ballots, number one. Number two, hand counting them. And number three, counting them at the location that they're cast, which only makes sense. And then you've added that count them publicly. Uh, who could possibly, when, when you consider the Democrats claimed that Hillary won and Trump lost back in 2016, and then of course the reverse of that, uh, Republicans believe this election was stolen in 2020, you would think that all Democrats and all Republicans, you would think, would be overwhelmed with joy to return to a system that would guarantee, or as closely guarantee as possibly, humanly possible, an honesty in the election. Who would be against integrity and honesty in the election? Well, I, don't know. I, will, I, will, I will tell you that there are a lot of Democrats who support this. That's and good. We had a, um, in Charleston, South Carolina, um, this was several months ago, we had a, a election integrity panel where we, we had, and this actually was in uh, West Palm Beach as well, we had Democrats on the panel who said an election was stolen from me. I know that it was stolen from me because ballot brokers are actively out harvesting ballots. So we know that there are people on both sides of the aisle that are engaged in this behavior. And quite frankly, that's probably why the RNC and the DNC are telling all of their major candidates for congressional office, don't talk about election integrity. Well, the people want to talk about it because election, elections belong to the people, not the government. We should never forget that. Well, I'm going to, once again, as we go to prayer, anything else more, Mark, before we go to prayer? No, sir. Uh, we're praying for, for truth and integrity. We're praying for, he said, wisdom and discernment on the part of election officials. And then you added the word courage. And then... I would sure be enthusiastic about re return to paper ballots, hand counting, counting more cast, and counting uh, publicly. That just makes so much sense uh, to do that. It enhances so much the chance of integrity and truthfulness. Um, Mark Pencham, I want to thank you. You, um, you were the nominee for the Republican Party to be Secretary of State for the state of Arizona. That's a high and mighty armor. You, uh, arm, honor you served in the with distinction four terms until you were termed out in the House of Representatives for the state. So we thank you for your public service. And then we thank you as a private citizen for longing for truth and righteousness and honesty. That's a noble and good cause. So way to go, my friend. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please read the show notes for additional details if you would like a copy of the book or resources mentioned. Remember that WellVersed is a 501c3 tax-deductible nonprofit organization. We rely on your support and partnership. Don't forget to hit subscribe to keep up to date with our latest episodes. Leave us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too.
Thank you for listening to the Well-Versed Podcast. For more information, please go to www.wellversedworld.org.